Welcome to Sunrise, your weekday podcast bringing you a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Tramel Gomes. President Biden and Governor DeSantis have ordered flags at half-staff in honor of former Secretary of State Colin Powell, as he's remembered by friends and family. I probably will never write a book, but if I did write a book, there'd be a lot of mention of Colin Powell in it, and it would all be very complimentary. Survivors of the Dozier School for Boys, now senior citizens, recall the horrors of their abuse. I was raped sexually once and was beaten until blood ran down the back of my legs and my buttocks like water off a duck's back. Lawmakers are bracing for a knockdown, drag-out session on issues like redistricting and abortion rights. Uh, I would expect uh, a, a lot of nastiness uh, to come up, um, and it's going to be some highly controversial things. I- and ousted police chief Art Acevedo speaks out. I'm not a quitter. My mom and dad didn't come here for us to be quitters. Today's Sunrise interview is with Florida politics healthcare reporter Christine Sexton, who gives us the scoop on all things healthcare. Seriously, she will share one of the best resources for health news and information. We've got all that, including other top stories trending around the state and capital. Plus, we have your calendar of political events and more. But first, a word from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise podcast from Florida Politics. Following is a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida Education Champions. Online sports betting, it's legal and it's coming to Florida. With passage of our amendment next year, any tax revenues collected are required to supplement the Florida Educational Enhancement Trust Fund. Hundreds of millions of dollars in new revenue for students and teachers, with more choices and competition for Florida consumers. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at FloridaEducationChampions.com. Today is National Seafood Bisque Day, also Pro-Life Day of Silent Solidarity, and LGBT Center Awareness Day. On this day in 1789, John Jay, a founding father of the United States, was sworn in as the first Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. In 1960, the United States imposed an embargo on exports to Cuba, covering all commodities except medical supplies and certain food products. And in 1998, former heavyweight champion Mike Tyson got his boxing license back after he had lost it for biting Evander Holyfield's ear during a fight. So what should we expect during the 2022 legislative session? So I really think that uh, this is going to be, uh, as usual, it's Tallahassee, um, and uh, it is going to be a knockdown drag out, uh, but there's going to be an added layer uh, of agitation, of friction, uh, that is simply uh, that, that redistricting just brings out of any legislator and legislative process. That's House Minority Co-Leader Evan Jenny, who's reading the tea leaves on issues like abortion and the once-a-decade process of redistricting. Civic and voting rights advocates have been calling on lawmakers to hold public hearings on proposed maps, and some Republican leaders have said those discussions are ongoing. Jenny has doubts. I, I don't see any uh, roadshow uh, for that redistricting process. Uh, So we're going to draw a map without people's input. Um, You can say that, hey, there's a portal that anyone can draw a map. Um, It's not the same thing. 
Republican Senator Ray Rodriguez, who serves as chair of the Senate's Committee on Reapportionment, says they are following strict guidelines when it comes to public participation in the process, and citizens who want to have their maps considered must use the website floridaredistricting.gov. The staff will only work on something if a member has sponsored it and put our name on it and said, we want this to be done. If you have a member that does not want to go through the website to put their map in, then that member must not want that map to be considered by this body because that is the procedure that we have laid out for the public to participate when it comes to submitting maps that have been drawn. We've done these things because we're learning from the mistakes that were made in the last cycle where there was a shadow operation that engaged with redistricting and ended up resulting in maps that were rejected by the court. One other issue of concern for Democrats, according to House Minority Co-Leader Evan Jenny, is that Governor DeSantis has yet to call a special election to fill three vacancies in his caucus. Members who announced their intent to resign in order to run for Congress. That's Representative Bobby DuBose and Senator Perry Thurston of Broward County and Representative Omari Hardy of Palm Beach County are all vying to fill the open seat in Florida's 20th Congressional District following the death of U.S. Representative Alcee Hastings on April 6th. That leaves House District 94, House District 88, and Senate District 33 wide open. But it is very concerning to us that a million people in Broward and Dade County, the vast, vast majority of which are African American, will not have any representation in Broward County. And you, and I mean any representation, not just those two House seats, but there's a senator running in that area as well. So they will have no representation in either chamber, nearly half a million people. There is a lawsuit in the works to sue the governor over the delay. Abused as little boys, now surviving men, well into their 70s, are seeking compensation for the torture they endured at the Dozier School for Boys, the since-closed state-operated juvenile detention center in Mariana. 75-year-old Cecile Gardner was at the Capitol on Monday in tears, surrounded by lawmakers as he recalled the suffering. I was raped sexually once and was beaten until blood ran down the back of my legs and my buttocks like water off a duck's back. With the help of Senator Darrell Roussan and Representative Tracy Davis, both Democrats, Gardner and other former students could receive compensation through Senate Bill 482 and House Bill 161, if passed. In 2017, the Florida legislature held a ceremony formally apologizing to victims and their families. But Senator Roussan says the state should do more. Healthcare has always been important, but the topic, the beat if you will, has catapulted to the top among the most important issues facing the globe in light of the pandemic. Many news outlets have ramped up their coverage in the healthcare sector, and Florida politics is doing the same. Healthcare reporter Christine Sexton joins us to talk about it. Christine Sexton, welcome to Sunrise. I understand that you have a new newsletter coming out. What's the diagnosis? Oh, it is. The diagnosis is my latest newsletter. It's healthcare specific. It's just kind of a place where I get to put my thoughts about all things healthcare. You know, these are thoughts that maybe really don't rise to the level of a story through the week, but do deserve some attention. 
What I saw, it's some important healthcare news, like where things are with Medicaid funding and ACA. And like, you know, they're always in the news. So you'll be right on top of all of that. Yeah, it's definitely about Medicaid, healthcare, health insurance. I don't expect a lot of workers comp to come up uh, this session, but as workers comp issues, you know, get discussed, they'll be in there. And I should say this isn't a session specific offering. This is just Peter does newsletters well. He wanted to do a healthcare newsletter. So this is kind of an early feel of what it will, you know, look like. And what premiered on Saturday was just a very early version, but it felt good getting some thoughts into the newsletter. So we have Diagnosis, a new newsletter that will be coming to our mailbox. Can you give us a sneak preview of what's in the current issue of Diagnosis? Well, I think what I'm looking at for the next edition, again, you know, these are kind of thoughts, things that I'm just, you know, I stumble across that kind of bubble up throughout the week that I I try to put, you know, an interesting take on it or an interesting perspective. I've been covering healthcare for so long. The newsletter isn't necessarily that this committee passed this bill or this lawmaker voted this way because it's going out to people who are in the know and understand the process anyway. So they don't really have time to read something that's just a regurgitation of what's already happened. Yeah, no, that sounds good. It's like a chance to get a glimpse into your reporter's notebook with some analysis and finding the interesting things that you would follow or have questions about and dig deeper on. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, the news story of the day has to be, you know, that certain presentation that's coming before a committee or a certain thing you're waiting for. I mean, that is the obvious news story of the day. But there are things that we can't always get the answers to immediately and that, you know, you kind of want to circle and go back to and go, yep, this is interesting. So that's always my goal to try to add value-added information to a story, because if I can't do that, it's not helping anyone. So we will be looking out for Diagnosis, another newsletter from FloridaPolitics.com. For those who want to sign up, they can reach out to Peter Schorsch at Peter at FloridaPolitics.com. Christine Sexton, thank you so much for taking this time to speak with me. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great day. Here's your calendar of events. The House State Affairs Committee will receive presentations from the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission about permitting requirements for relocating gopher tortoises and about manatee deaths. That's at 9. Happening at 11, the House Appropriations Committee will receive a presentation on the budget outlook and the House Ways and Means Committee will receive an update about state revenue. The House Health and Human Services Committee will hold a panel discussion about health care staffing at 1. The Senate Republican Caucus will meet and formally designate Senator Kathleen Pasadomo to become Senate President after the 2022 elections. That's at 3. Beyond the Capitol, a host of meetings by the Board of Trustees at several state colleges are happening today. The Statewide Drug Policy Advisory Council will meet, and the Florida Hurricane Catastrophe Fund Advisory Council will hold a conference call, in addition to so much more happening on this busy Tuesday.
Speaking out on NBC News, Miami's ousted police chief Art Acevedo talks about how he was fired by city commissioners after spending just six months on the job. Pretty embarrassing episode of, in a 35-year career. Acevedo was brought in as a reform agent, but he made controversial moves in shaking up the department, threatening suspension of officers who refused COVID vaccines. But what appeared to be a tipping point was going after city commissioners, claiming to fight corruption, and in doing so, said the force was run by the Cuban mafia. Do you regret saying that? Yes, because it was used uh, for political uh, gain by some. But also, I, I do believe that members of the exile community, some of them, I'm part of that exile community, uh, that, it, uh, that it was hurtful f- uh, to them. Again, that's former Miami police chief Art Acevedo speaking exclusively with NBC News' Gabe Gutierrez. As the nation remembers the life of Colin Powell, Governor Ron DeSantis signed an executive order directing flags to be flown at half-staff on Friday in his honor. Wink News spoke with Porter Goss, a former Florida congressman and CIA director who remembered working with Powell. And I will tell you, he chewed me out one day early on when I was the brand new director of CIA uh, in a way that I shall never forget. And I suspect that people under his command saw a lot of that when he was in military as well. A veteran of the Vietnam War, Powell rose to the rank of four-star general and in 1989 became the first black chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. In that role, he oversaw the U.S. invasion of Panama and later the U.S. invasion of Kuwait to oust the Iraqi army in 1991. But his legacy was marred when in 2003 he went before the U.N. Security Council as Secretary of State and made the case for the U.S. war against Iraq at a moment of great international skepticism. He cited faulty information claiming Saddam Hussein had secretly stashed away weapons of mass destruction. Powell's family announced his death via social media, stating he died due to complications of COVID-19, even though he was fully vaccinated. Peggy Safrino, Powell's longtime aide, said he had been treated over the past few years for multiple melanoma, a blood cancer. Although dying from COVID-19 is extremely uncommon among the fully vaccinated, health experts say age and pre-existing medical conditions may increase the odds of breakthrough infection, severe disease, and even death. Finally, as you jumpstart your day, thanks for tuning in for today's Sunrise. I'm Tremel Gomes, inviting you to join us again tomorrow for a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. 